Well, tonight we're continuing our series on, on consecration. Since this, uh, for the next three weeks, that's what we're doing. Don't mind the pipes, they're heating up. Amen. And we're going to be looking a little bit more uh, in the New Testament uh, tonight on, on consecration through the Spirit and what the Spirit does for us when we come to Christ. Now, there's a fine line where we, we, when we talk about consecration to not get confused with works. Amen. It's not about uh, us making ourselves good. We can't do that. Amen. But what we can do is separate ourselves. That's what consecration is about, is separating ourselves so that God can have more influence, one-on-one conversation with, with us. You ever had something you want to tell somebody, but it's only for them? And they're in a big crowd with a bunch of people? you got to wait. And you want to tell them it could be some really exciting, big news, but there's nothing you can do because they're talking to all these other people, and you know it's supposed to be a private message. I think a lot of times that's how God is with us. He's got some big news. He's got some great plans for us, but we're so busy, we're so engaged with so many other people that he can't get us one-on-one. You know, we see that so many times in the Old Testament that it was only when people were focused one-on-one with God, that he could really get their attention. We see that with Abraham and Lot, of course, right? It wasn't until finally Lot had gone to Sodom that God spoke to Abraham to begin to fulfill the promises he had given him. We see the same thing with, with uh, I, I, um, sorry, Isaac, too. He was by himself sitting on a well when God blessed him with a wife. He had gotten all the way out to the, to the well, sitting by himself, meditating. We see the same thing with Jacob. It wasn't until he ran away from home and he's sleeping by himself on a rock, not around his mother, not around his family, that God then gives him a vision. And sometimes God wants to get us by ourselves. Consecration is about separating ourselves. Well, tonight we want to look at consecration Through the Spirit, amen, and it's important. So it's not about me making myself good and perfect, because I can't do that. I'm going to mess up. But just separating myself from some things that can defile, things that take up my time, things that take away my thought process from focusing on God. And our focus scripture tonight is from Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. And it's about the, the, the call of Paul and Barnabas to ministry. And we'll see, verse, word by word, how this, how this works. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. What were they doing? They were, right, they were doing a consecration. As they ministered, that means they were serving, they were already doing something. God calls people who are already doing stuff. Right? You say, well, he's got to call me to do stuff. No. Does it, do you see what it says? As they ministered. They were already doing something. As they served ministered to the Lord, and fasted the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. You know, it makes me think of when I was in uh, Michigan and uh, coming to Milwaukee. Uh, I didn't want to do it. Everything was just perfect for me at that time. And, uh, but God had another plan. Sometimes he takes us out of our comfort zone. Right? He takes us out of our comfort zone. We don't want to to do certain things. Moses didn't want to get involved in all the mess in Egypt. But he saw something, right, that called to him. He saw something that called to him, a burning bush. And when God, when he realized who it was, he started making excuses. Well, well, um, I can't speak very well. Well, uh, what about my brother? You know, we all do that when... When there's something for us to do, we start thinking about who else can do it, right? Who else can do it, right? Who else can do it? As they minister to the Lord. But God is looking for people who already have the desire to work for God. Who already have the desire to be used. Who else? They didn't look around to say who else. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, meaning they were going through consecration. Wouldn't it be great if God chose some of us in this three weeks to do something special? Opened up some new door for us to walk through? Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. I I, I can't imagine what it could be, but who knows what circumstance could lead up to you being talking to somebody 
uh, I was listening to, well, I wasn't so much listening, my wife was listening to, what's that preacher? Raymond Woodward, and his message was on consecration too. And he was talking about how one man changed the life in the end of about 6,000 people. And what it was, there was this English gentleman who before the war, he had... Um, he was going on a vacation, and he heard about some situations going on in Germany and how the persecution had started with the Nazis. And something made him decide to change his vacation and go over, I think, to Switzerland. And he was able to, to, to arrange for 600 uh, young children to be flown back to England and adopted into all these families. They were Jews. And he thought nothing more about it. It turned out that nearly every one of these 600 children, their parents ended up being killed and gassed and tortured and put to death. And he had, he had he'd not publicized it. He'd not done anything about it. And he just wrote a little scrapbook. So his wife, I think, found the scrapbook because he never told anyone what he had done because this was 50 years ago. She found the scrapbook and saw what he had done, how he had helped these 600 children escape death. So she contacted um, one of the TV stations, and uh, they had a show where they called it, This Is Your Life. And they invited him to come, him not knowing what was going on. And when he came, the whole audience was nothing but these children and their children who he had saved from death. What I'm talking about is one person and their children. By the time 50 years, it was 6,000 people from 600 children, 600 lives he had spared and Raymond Woodward's um, um, message was about, what about your life? He wants to make a difference. Can we make a difference in 2023? You see here, it says, as they ministered to the Lord. And there's many ways of ministering to the Lord. Cleaning this church is a ministry. At my former church, we always had difficulty with that ministry. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we ended up... Uh, uh, trying to come up with, um, you know, this family this week, that family that week, and it never worked good because we really didn't like to do it. But when someone loves to minister that way, it's not even a burden. Amen. There is so much ministry that God wants to call us to, and it comes through by consecration. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, this wasn't Saul and, and Barnabas's idea. The Holy Ghost said, this is what I'm talking about. Once we separate ourselves, then God sees, okay, I can use that person. They're ready to be used. They're fit for the master's table. Amen. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And this was the beginning of, of Saul's great missionary journeys. He ended up doing uh, three of them over a span of several years. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia. Listen, if you know the Holy Ghost is behind it, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. Um, I, I don't want to go into too much, but I, I, I try not to say stuff here tonight. Anyway, I'm trying not to say stuff tonight. But God is so good. He's an amazing God. Sometimes the things he does, for me anyway, I can't even tell you. You just have to imagine because I'm smiling up here. God is so good. Amen. So we're going to look tonight at how the, the, some of the aspects of consecration through the Spirit. Part of the Holy Ghost's um, uh, design and plan for us is that, first of all, it gives us the power to become a son. Isn't that what the Scripture says? For as many as they are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you want to have power with God, you have to be his son. That's what Satan came to do. If thou be a son of God then you, I know you can turn this stone to bread. Amen? If thou be a son of God. I'm, I'm reminded of a story uh, my father used to tell when he was coming home really late from work one night. And uh, when they were building the church, he was living in the, staying in the church because they were working on the church. Remember, it was really dark and he was coming down the alleyway and he said he saw these two big, huge Rottweilers and they charged him. And he said he didn't even know what to do or where to run or what. And he just stood there, and when they came up, he said, in Jesus' name, and put up his hand like that. And they came, and they knelt down at his feet. <laughs> See, when you are called to ministry, when you are, are in God's favor, you can have power with God. 
All I can tell you is he doesn't make me rich, but he hasn't made me poor either. <laughs> I'm not boasting about me. He's always put food on my table. He prepares a table in, even in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil. This is what consecration is about. Part of the consecration was the anointing oil in the Old Testament, which represented the Spirit. And that's what we're talking tonight, consecration through the Spirit. It also gives us protection for our soul. The Bible speaks in Ephesians that our soul is sealed. Ephesians 1.13, in, in whom he also trusted, after that he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that he believed, he were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. Consecration reinforces and brings back that, that promise and all of the promises of God back into our mind when we start to, to study and to worship and to seek after God. It gives us a protection for our soul. The Bible says that he had lost none of them. Isn't that what he said? In John 20, he said, I've lost none of them, save for the son of perdition. And then he went on to say, listen, uh, the Father is greater than I, and nobody can pluck them out of my hand. The only person who can take you out of God's hand is you. Did you know that? If you're content to stay with God, he will never... Do you believe God is a liar? What did he say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, so many times we must really hurt God's feelings. Imagine if you're a parent and your child doesn't trust you. Imagine if you're a parent and your child goes over to the neighbor and says, I'm hungry. <laughs> Wouldn't that upset you? I'm hungry. Um, I don't have clothes. Wouldn't that hurt you? That's exactly what we do with God. We don't trust him. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know why we don't trust him is because of things, as I preached a couple of things not seen, because we don't see a tangible evidence. Just like Thomas, we say we, we, we've got to put our finger in his palm. We've got to put our hand in his side. Then I'll believe. But you know that's not how it works. It's things not seen. The Bible says that it's the things not seen are the eternal things. So consecration through the Spirit also protects our soul. You know, when you want to protect something that is metal, you put an oil on it. Isn't that what you have to do in your car engine? If you run your engine without oil very soon, it'll seize up. Because there is friction. There is heat inside that engine of the metal parts rubbing. We need the oil of the Holy Ghost because when we go out there... When we go out there, Satan wants to come and t rub all his, his, his metal shavings on us, so to speak. Amen. Now, in my job, um, I, I have people that go out on jobs, and we had a, a problem, uh, a big problem over the weekend. And uh, uh, one of the, the, the guys who was in my team, he was working at a big Ford plant. And they had just installed some major equipment, and everything was working fine for the whole week. And he was about to leave. In fact, he'd gotten on the car, going to the airport to come back home, and then he got a call from the plant saying, Come back, it's shut down, you got to come back. And so he had to go back because in the end they had to shut down this whole plant. And it turned out that the thing that had caused all the problems were just some little metal filings. Some of the little things that fell into the gears and gummed up, shut down the whole plant. You see, sometimes we're not careful on being consecrated and we let the little things gum up the whole works. But if we will be careful, we put that anointing oil... That lubricates. That makes your engine run smoother. Isn't that what they say? You've got to change the oil. And you worry. I know, um, I know some of us worry once it gets past 6,000 miles. Oh, gosh, we've got we to gotta go get the oil changed. It's just gone 6,001. It's going to stop. <laughs> but really, that's an illustration of how much we need God's anointing oil all the time. It needs to be poured out over us. In the Old Testament, when they anointed the priest, it wasn't some little dab. You know, it wasn't something that they poured it out over him. And this oil was exclusive. It was special. It was only a fragrance that the priest could use. It was made exclusively for him. Anyone else touching that oil would be in trouble. Amen. So consecration through the spirit is, gives protection of, for the soul. The, all, the other thing that consecration will do is enable you to discern truth. 
sometimes when we're in a bunch of babble and noise and things going on, we get confused. This one is saying this thing. This one is saying that thing. Just like Pilate will say, what is truth? The Pharisees were saying, hey, this guy is a rebel. You need to crucify him. He is, he's come to destroy our kingdom. And he got confused. He said to Jesus, what is truth? He wasn't sure. But I tell you what, if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit and you seek for truth, God is sure to reveal it to you. The Bible says when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will do what? Guide you into all truth. Most of the time, me included, we decide to do it like Lot, right? We choose based upon how it looks. Bad mistake. (laughs) How many things have you bought because it looked good? Looks so good, right? And then, then when you, you you did it, I'm sorry, I wasn't picking on you, Sister Diane. She was telling us about, she was telling us about something in the car, but, but I'm guilty of that too, where we have done things based upon what we see. But if we were to pray about it first, maybe we would hear a little voice. The Bible says you will hear a voice saying, "This is the way, walk in it." Wouldn't it be good? I want God to be my GPS. I want him to be telling me which way to go. I want him to be God because most of the time I will, I will invariably make the wrong decision. It says in John 16, 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Well, you know what we do? We run next door and say, hey, can you help me with this toy? Instead of going to our father. We run to somebody else. And you know, I, I really, really have sat down and wondered how much... I've hurt God. Because imagine as a parent if your child went to the neighbor anytime they had a problem and not to you. How would you feel? How would you feel? You'd feel, man, after all the stuff I've done for them. And the one thing that God does not like is ungratefulness. Ungratefulness. The children of Israel didn't make it because principally ungratefulness. They forgot all the miracles, the ten miracles that God had done in Egypt. The fact that he had made food, meat, fall from the sky. The fact that their clothes never wore out. The fact that they were able to live in a desert, not plant crops for 40 years. The fact that food appeared every day outside their tent. You can't get more blessed than that. They didn't have to almost do anything. And yet they were ungrateful. Every opportunity, every temptation, they said, you know what, I'd rather be back in Egypt. This fellow Moses brought us out here to die. Every little thing they were complaining. Everything was a big deal. Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I find myself. Now, it is a learning process because that's not easy. Let's be honest now. It's not every situation you're going to find yourself that you're happy about it. But remember, it's just a season. We're in the winter season, but thank be to God, there will be a spring, there will be a summer season. It's not going to last forever. The Bible says that there is a time for everything, right? A time to be joyful, a time to be mournful. So sometimes you're going through your season. But if you will just hang on, the Holy Spirit through consecration can be your guide for truth. Amen. The The Holy Spirit will give you the power for resurrection, But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. In fact, this is almost the most important part of consecration so that we are ready, that we are separated. He's not resurrecting everybody in the first resurrection, is it? It says, blessed and true in Revelation 20 are those that have part in the first resurrection. It does make a difference which one you come back in. It makes a huge difference. Blessed are those because upon them the second death hath no power. A friend of mine came into to work today and he'd, he'd uh, had a near miss a uh, couple last weeks. He'd had a stroke, but he had recovered. And, and because we're kind of both of us up in age, I don't know if I was encouraging him. I was telling him about all the younger people I see pass. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> I, told him, I told him, you know, yeah, we probably only have about 13 years more each, you know. I was extremely encouraging, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, insurance uh, actuarial plot says 72 years, right? 
Even the Bible says three score years and ten. <laughs> By the way, tomorrow is Sister Brownie's birthday. <laughs> but you know what? The reason why I could tell him that, because I wasn't worried. I wasn't in the least bit worried. Because I, I want to be able to say, like Paul, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now, I'm not there yet, but I, I'm, I'm trying very hard. In whatever time I have left, I want to be found doing something for God. When you consecrate yourself, you can be found doing something for God. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. In the Bible study, we had talked about the fact that they'd never seen it rain. Never seen it rain. And they were so unbelieving because that old man Noah keeps talking about rain, that water is going to flow from the sky. And I bet they laughed about that because they had never seen it. Just today, they don't believe that bodies are going to come out of the earth. Never seen that happen. It's impossible. Dead people coming back to life, those crazy evangelical spirit tongue-talking people. Won't they be surprised? Bible says the Lord himself, he's not leaving it to any angels, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. That's what I'm really waiting for. See, I want to be ready. I want to be in that group that can cross over. Not cross over literal Jordan, cross over to the heavenly Jordan. Consecration gives us the power to minister. The power to minister. When in the Old Testament, they could not minister if he had been defiled. If the priest had come into contact with a dead body or done anything like that, he, he was not allowed to minister. He had to be in a certain state of undefilement in order to go before God because we serve a perfect God. A perfect God, undefiled. And on the Day of Atonement, he had to go all the way in behind the second veil into the most holy place. And so he knew that if he went in there and he wasn't consecrated, he would die. So you would take your job very seriously. If you know you go in there and you're not right, you're going to die. You know, you've all heard my testimony. When I was eight years old, I, I thought I, the rapture had come. <laughs> and I took it very seriously. So I called the police and I told them, I told them my parents are not coming back. Now, I was smart enough to know that they wouldn't understand the rapture. They said, well, why do you think that? I said, they're not coming back. They're gone. <laughs> I got them in so much trouble. <laughs> because I had childlike faith. They had taken too long. And I had been uh, studying or hearing about this rapture. And it just started to play on my mind that they had gone. And I had not been baptized. My father had not let me be baptized yet. He did after that. He let me be baptized. Amen. Yeah, I called the police and while I was on the phone, they came in the door. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of explaining to do. Why did your child say you're not coming back? What have you been telling him? They had a hard time, but you know, they couldn't, they couldn't blame me. All, all I did was believe what they had told me. Consecration will give you the power to minister. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry. See, this instruction of tarry was to them people, not to us. We don't have to wait. Wait ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now, there's many ways of getting God to move on your behalf. The best way is when he wants to do it anyway. In other words, it's his plan. It wasn't your idea anyway. Because you don't have to do much because he wants to do it. So sometimes God will do a sovereign work. You just happened to be the beneficiary. You were just there when the blessing came down. It wasn't anything to do with you. It was God's total. Now, sometimes it's something that you want to ask the Father to do. And in that case, you need to have a, a, a consecration. It's not about works, but it's about being able to approach the Father. It's not about works. It's not about how good. But it is about being cognizant or aware of the reverence that we should come into his house with. Being aware that the Bible says, knowing not that this is the temple 
of the living God. In the Old Testament, when the temple or the, uh, or the tabernacle got defiled, they couldn't just have a service. They couldn't just, okay, let's have a service. Let's have church. No, they had to go through a process. They had to first kill an animal. They had to sprinkle the blood, and it took seven days of preparation. Same thing with the high priest. Before he went on that day of atonement, he had to go in that temple and separate himself for seven days so that he himself was undefiled. And we see that fulfilled in Jesus on the, on the resurrection. I talked about it before when Mary tried to touch him. He said, you don't touch me yet because I have not yet ascended. He had not fulfilled the duty of our high, high priest yet. So consecration through the Spirit will give us the power to minister, the power to minister. It also gives us the power to fight. It also gives us the power to fight. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. We've got to get dressed. We've got to get dressed. We can't go out there and fight the devil um, if we're not got the weapons on, right? We should be able to quote a scripture in almost any situation, you know, almost any situation. And hopefully it's not just Jesus wept. <laughs> right? We need, to have some, we need to have some weapons. Jesus was able to say to Satan, it is written. Man shall not live by bread. Satan had to go away. Satan can quote scripture too. He said, it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee, lest thy dash thy foot against it. He can quote scripture too. But every time Jesus had a comeback, you need to get your weapon out. You need to have a word that you can say. Consecration will do that. You know, sometimes you need to get a word that you can say to a situation. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Consecration will also give us the power to bear fruit. Now, in, in, in vineyards, they separate out the grapes so that they don't get bad cross-pollination. They have to separate certain lines of grapes because they want a certain type of wine. They don't just mix up all the grapes. Have you noticed that? This, this, this vineyard is this kind of grape, Concord grapes. Over here, it's a different type of grape. They have to separate out the fruit so that they will bear um, the one type. So it gives us the power to bear fruit when we are consecrated. Otherwise, we are, not that we are sinners, but we're just not being effective. Just that we're not being effective. We, we are there going through the motion. Paul says, it's not, I don't want to be just one like what beats the air. Beats the air and getting nothing done. But to be effective, the more we are come before God, he said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. But the fruit of the Spirit, when we're consecrated through the Spirit, is love. Someone uh, texted me today and was telling me they had watched the, the Bible study and they wanted to um, send a donation. But I felt bad about it because I said to them, I'm not charging for preaching the gospel. <laughs> I said, the only thing you owe me and I owe you is love. So I said, don't send anything, just pray for us in Rehoboth. And we will pray for you, right? The power to bear fruit. And not just fake love, right? Not fake love. Real love. That means we care about each other. We care about each other. You know, many times my flesh, when, when, because as pastor I get a lot of calls for help. And many times when I do, my flesh wants to say, I don't know if I want to do this because... You know, my flesh wants, but then I think about all the times God has rescued me. The times when I have been in need of, of, of something and God has never disappointed me. He always comes through. And whatever you are blessed, you are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Consecration will make you think about these things if we're godly minded. Because it's the power to bear fruit of which the first fruit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. And the devil wants to take, steal your fruit. Did you know that? He wants to make you mad. Tomorrow morning will be something else. There will be some other kind of little uh, shavings to, to grind up the gear and to stop the machine. To take away your faith. To annoy you. To make you get into that mean mug face. <laughs> mean mug. That's been out of favor for a while, right? That one. 
I'm behind the times. You have to, you have to, I'm old, so I don't know what's the, the latest thing. I remember that one. You know, but you can tell when there's a cloud over some people. That means, don't, 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 don't be asking me anything. You know, my dad was telling me this story. He was walking, walking down the street and he, and he came across a guy and he was lost. So he was going to ask him direction. So he said, can, can you? And the guy said, I don't know. <laughs> he, he hadn't asked him anything. But before he got, can you? The guy said, I don't know. <laughs> Some of us are like that, right? We don't want to be bothered with anybody. But let me tell you, it's very important as Christians because when people come to the church, that should not be our attitude, right? You know, we should, we should be an image of Christ. They're the only Christ that, that people are going to see. The, the first impression when someone comes to the church is, you know, were these people friendly? Were they in a little clique? Did they greet me? What was their attitude? It makes such a difference that we should be bearing fruit. If we're consecrated and we're separated, then we can have the joy of the Lord. Then we can have the joy of the Lord. Not necessarily because our circumstance may be so good, but because we know, we know that God loves us. They say that hurt people hurt people, right? The purpose of the church is for God to take your hurts and to fix those holes in your heart, to repair that breach. But a lot of people have not let God do that. You know what they're doing? They're going to the neighbor. They're going to the neighbor. That'd be so upsetting if your child went next door to have dinner and, and, and was telling the next door person how hungry they were. Wouldn't that make you feel bad? A lot of times we go to so many other things before we go to Christ. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Amen. The power to walk in the Spirit. It shouldn't be just the three weeks of January. It's like at Christmas all these people are being friendly. And then on January, uh, December 26th. <laughs> Hello? Mean mug, yes. You know, on December 23rd and 24th, how are you doing? Everything... But as soon as Christmas is over, it goes back to the same old um, attitude. If we are consecrated, we will walk in love, not just during consecration. Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ have crucified. That means there has to be a death. It's not easy to put this flesh down, because this flesh wants certain things, and sometimes you have to force yourself to be different. You have to, to tell yourself, no, I can't be like that. I want to be mad, but I can't be mad. Everybody's watching me today, right? So, and it's not, it's not a matter of being fake, but you have to, to mortify. The Bible says, Paul says, I have to put to death every day. Every day I've got to put to death this, this flesh because it wants to do terrible things. It wants to go its own way. It says, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. That only comes through consecration. Amen. If we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. And I've said many times, what that really is, is what we're thinking about. Right? If you're all thinking about, okay, uh, I've got to pay the electric bill on the 14th, I've got, you know, you're going to get depressed. If you just start thinking about all the things, the horrible things you've got to do this week, right? Got to take the car in for this, and this is wanting me, my attention. And I'm telling you, I'm human too, and it's very easy for me to get into that mode, I have to force myself to say, no, I won't. I need to, I need to push that back and just start, uh, put on a, 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 some music, start to worship God. Start to thank him for his goodness and his love. So consecration, separating ourselves from these things, will give us the power to walk in the spirit. Again, the power to bear fruit. And let me see now, power to be declared perfect. Once we do that, once we do that, God calls us perfect, even though we're not. And this is the amazing thing that if we could ever believe it 100%, we would have such joy. Because this is the test of your faith. I'm going to ask it again. Do you believe at the moment 
that God is looking down on you and saying, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved on who, in whom I'm well pleased. I just love that person so much. Now, can you believe that right now? Can you really believe that? Because if you can, you should be smiling. <laughs> if you truly believe that God is looking down at you and saying, this is my son. They've been through so much. They've been through such tragedies. They've been through such hurt. And yet on a Tuesday night in January, they're in church and they came here to hear something. You know, that's what God is looking at. This is what pleases God. It's not, it's not anything else, but the fact that we believe that he loves us. And sometimes that's hard because we don't love ourselves. I have that problem because I can think of all the things I'd like to change about myself. Right? And so it's hard to, to, to think about that. But the way to do it is to not look at ourselves. Not even think about ourselves. The scripture says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Because if we look at ourselves, we get discouraged. Right? I was looking at my picture and I'm thinking, man, it's finally catching up. I used to be a baby face. <laughs> when I went into work, when I was in my 20s, they would, they would say, like, Excuse me, are you, they were, you know, looking at me strange like I'm a high schooler. But I looked the other day and finally the, the, the wear and tear is starting to catch up. But never mind, never mind. Jesus says, listen, I've got a mansion prepared for you. This is, this is, you're just looking at the ugly caterpillar. When Jesus comes, I'm going to get my butterfly suit. Amen. Here is a very powerful scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever. You could meditate upon that for about a month. Think about that. He hath perfected forever. How did he do that? Because he's God. He can declare you perfect because how did he do that? Because he calls those things that are not. And if you start to believe that, man, you start to walk with a bit of a, a bump in your step. Not out of pride, but out of the joy of knowing that your father declares you perfect. This is what separation and consecration can do because you start to meditate on the word of God. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are, that's the, that's the key, those that are set apart that are different. The Bible says you are a peculiar people, right? A chosen generation. You, you can't be, you know, you'll never catch the queen picking her nose. Why? Because she knows she's being watched the whole time. The moment she steps out of the palace, there's a million cameras. She, she's got to walk like she's the queen. She's got to act like she's the queen. She's got to be the queen. That's what I'm telling you. Separation and understanding who you are called to be will make you the, the prince and princess God has designed you to be. Now, how does this perfection come, to part, come upon us? And, I, and, and the, the verse 15 gives us the answer. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also is a witness unto us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And it's one of God's sovereign decisions. It wasn't to do with how good we are. And their sins and their iniquities will I choose, listen, I will choose not to remember. It's not that we are completely innocent, but he has declared us perfect based upon faith, based upon the intent, based upon our inner man. Now, that doesn't mean you go around sinning and everything's okay. No, that's not what... The scriptures say, Paul says with the inner man, that was with my intent. I get up every day saying, I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. Now, sometimes my day doesn't go that great. But by my inner man, by my intent, by my thoughts, by my, my direction, that's what I want. And God counts it as if you did. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. And in their minds will I write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That's a sovereign act of God. Not based upon because you prayed or fasted. 
That prayer and fasting is for you. But God's declaration over you is just his gift. You can't, you can't get that. Amen. We're talking about consecration. Consecration makes you part of the family, the power to belong. Amen. The Jews were a special selected group because God, in, in effect, created them. Romans 8, 9 says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if you have the spirit of Christ, then the opposite is true. You are his. I belong to the king. Don't mess with me because I'll get my dad. I'll tell my dad about it. <laughs> you better not mess with me because uh, I've got a dad, you know, and he, 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 he's bigger than your dad by far. <laughs> when you are consecrated, when you're separated, you belong to a, a, a select family. You know, the royal family, their, their name is Windsor Mountbatten. That's a special name. But all of us who have been down in that tank, we have a special name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Amen? And says in Acts 4, 12, Neither is there what salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven among men, whereby we what? And that the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So you have a unique name. You are in a unique family. The Bible says he's called us to be kings and priests. Kings and priests. That's what we've been called. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if we have the spirit of Christ, then that means we are his. Amen. We're under his protection. Consecration also empowers us to pray. Because you can pray and nothing happens. You can pray and nothing happens because you're really not really, really praying. You're going through the motions. Cain brought an offering. He went through the motions just like Abel. But God had no respect to his offering. Why? It's revealed in Hebrews that he brought it without faith. He was just doing it because that was the thing to do. Right? Tradition, yes. I go to church on Sunday because it's Sunday. I'm not really going to worship God. I'm going to put on my best to see so and so and because everybody will be wondering where I am. But if you're coming here to worship God, to be separate, to consecrate, God will give you something special. Amen. Here, here is it. Here's when we start to, to, to consecrate. It says, and start to pray you in the spirit. It says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses, the things that I, I don't, uh, can't cope with very well, my temptations. For we know not what we should pray for. Most people out there probably are praying that when they went out to buy the lotto tomorrow, whenever they got the mega ball or whatever it is, mega power, whatever they call it. I don't know. But that's not what we ought to pray for. Because, as I said before, if you did win it, your life would probably be very miserable. You have to change your name and run away somewhere. Amen. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's been many times when I, I, I pray, I'm, I'm groaning because there's so many things I want God to, to take away from me or to deal with. But when we come and are consecrated, then God allows the Spirit to pray through us. And that's the be best prayer. Amen. So when we are consecrated, and that's why I'm teaching this tonight because of the next two weeks, it enables us to pray in the Spirit. Amen. It sets us free from the law of sin. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of, the life, of, uh, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. In, in Romans 7, Paul is going through all of the things that he's tried to do in the flesh. And when, when evil is before him, he ends up doing something he doesn't want to do. And he ends up, Romans 7, and I say, Who will deliver me? Who will deliver me from the death of this body? And Romans 8 opens with this. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8 is such a powerful chapter. It's got all those scriptures in there, like Romans 8, 28, right? And we know that all things... Now, it may not look like a good thing. It may not be a good thing. But God can take something negative and work a good purpose in it. See, his brothers...
put Joseph in the pit and sold him into slavery, wanting to kill him. But God took that opportunity to send him into Egypt to be their deliverer. See, you, you may lose a job, and God knows what he's doing. As I t- you know, my, I can only testify about me, but when they, when they told me they were laying me off, I was trying very hard not to laugh. Not to <laughs> I was driving to Madison every day, and I hated it. And I said, Lord, you need to give me a different job. So I walked in one day, and they escorted me to this little room, and immediately, because I'd been in this before, I knew what was happening. So I tried to look very distraught and, <laughs> and put upon We're so sorry. It's nothing to do with you, but they're having a a, a divisional rearrangement. And we're so sorry. You know, it's no reflection on your performance, but we're having to lay a few people off, you know. And so we're so sorry. But we are going to give you four months paid. You you don't even have to come into work for the next four months. Everything is paid. And as soon as they were gone, (laughs) if you had had saw me driving, (laughs) if you had seen me driving out of that parking lot, You could not wipe the smile off my face. See, devil meant it for harm, but God just wanted to give me a four-month vacation. Amen. I had been driving two hours a day to get to work and in winter, and I said, Lord, this is too much. I can't do this and do the church very effectively. God said, yes, I agree with you. When were you going to ask me? When were you going to ask me? You took this job. You decided to jump on this job. I didn't tell you to come out here. And the Lord had mercy upon me. And, and you know the story. He wouldn't let me get another job till the very day when the fourth month was over. Immediately that fourth month was over, he gave me another job that was so much better. And I never missed a single paycheck. See, God wants us to be consecrated. Sometimes he will, he, will, he will give us a little hint. He'll do a sovereign work in our life to say, see what I can do even when you didn't even ask me. Even when you didn't ask me. But I'm showing you how much I love you. I'm showing you, you don't have to prove yourself to me. You, you are in a relationship because of birth. You know, I've asked you before, those of you who are parents, when you started loving your child. And maybe some of you didn't start loving your child till they graduated high school or became a doctor or something or could buy you a car, right? But most of us, we loved our child as soon as they were born. We looked at that, I don't want to say useless, but (laughs) maybe not so pretty to others, babies, right? Oh, beautiful, look at at the little fingers. And we're just so proud. And that baby's only going to cry and keep us up for the next two years and cost money, but they are our child. Don't you mess with them now. They're going to poop and make a mess, but they're our child. If we could understand God's love and what, the way he looks at us, and all he wants us is to identify and run to him instead of the neighbor. The neighbor could be the government, your friend, Auntie Joe, and God is saying, listen, I am the one who delivered you. I am the one who birthed you. Be separate and come out from among them. As I said, consecration makes us part of the family. In Galatians 4, 6, he says, because you are sons, because I birthed you, you have the right to call me father. In the Old Testament, you couldn't call God father. You'd be stoned to death. That's why they wanted to stone Jesus, because he said, he's my father. You couldn't do that in the Old Testament. When Jesus' disciples asked him to teach us to pray, he started off, our Father. They must have been shocked. You know, we read it today and it doesn't come across to us as anything. But to them, the Jews saying that God was, that you won't find that in the Old Testament. You, You can't even call his name, except on certain days and only the priest, because you'd be calling his name in vain. Now to get personal and call him father, that's another level. But consecration, walking with Jesus, being his disciples, enables us to call him Abba. Because you are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit. Remember I'm talking how the Spirit brings us into consecration of his Son into your hearts so you can cry, Father. Father. 
Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. For through him, in Ephesians 2.18, through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. If you could stand with me. We're talking about consecration in these three weeks and how God wants us to let him be our father. He wants to pour out upon us. But we're in the crowd and he has a special message for us and he's just waiting for us to be separate, to tell us some good news, to give us some blessing in 2023. And it's up to us to just decide, Lord, I want to get everything you got for me. I want to get everything you got for me. I want to make sure that my name is in the will. Amen. He has died and the will is waiting to be read. All we have to do is show up. Amen. He has got a plan for our lives. Consecration in these next weeks and asking us, seeking his face and say, Lord, I want to, you to use me in whatever way, big or small. Of course, there's no small uses of God. Everything is important. When we do that, when we come to God humbly, if my people that are called by my name shall seek my face, what does it say? And humble ourselves. Then, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Hallelujah. That's what God has called us to. Let us this week, as much as we can, we all have to go to work, we all got stuff we have to deal with, but set aside some time to come before the Lord. Set aside some time to have a one on You know, when you're in love, <laughs> that's all you want to do. Is talk to that. And what you're talking about, it doesn't even seem to make any sense. You mean you were four hours on the phone? What were you talking about? Don't know. <laughs> but when you're in love, you want to be in that person's company. It's just being, you could be talking about the weather. It doesn't really matter. When we're in love with God, all I want to be able to tell him is, Lord, thank you. You've done some amazing things for me. And it's the one thing that costs us nothing. No matter how poor you are, no matter what situation you are in, you can always say thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm alive, right? I'm al you woke me up this morning, amen? Some people did not wake up last night. You woke me up to give me another day to be in your service. Hallelujah. We're going to close this Bible study tonight, but I hope that you will find something to be encouraging, that you will focus upon it. Some of these things that through the Spirit sets us apart. Not to be boastful, not to be better than someone else, not to be uh, more holy than someone else, but because if we can boast, it's because of His mercy. Amen. So by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me, Father, we thank you tonight. Let your word find good soil. Let us be encouraged, Lord, that you love us with a love that you were willing to die on Calvary for us. Lord, we ask right now that in this time of consecration, as we draw near to you, Lord, that you re will reveal yourself in our hearts, Lord God, that many of us have questions, Lord God, and situations that we're dealing with. Strengthen us, O oh God. Give us a joy to know that we are still your child, that you love us, that you have poured out upon us, Lord God. We thank you tonight for your goodness and your grace, that your Holy Spirit around us, protect us, lift us up, put us upon that rock. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's lift up his, his name one more time. Hallelujah.